0: Arsenal walked through the fire of the North London derby and came out of the other end unscathed. They are top of the Premier League and although few give them hope of lasting the pace, a win against Liverpool might make a few more people sit up and take notice. Is the Gunners' renaissance real or is it a brief mirage, a blip in the Matrix? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. What certainly is real is the quality of my tipping team today. Mark O'Hare was part of the squad that nailed the podcast treble and a North London Derby bet builder last weekend. Mark, Arsenal 2.7 here for this one with Liverpool 2.68, so more or less straight down the middle. Arsenal's home form has been excellent for quite a long time now, but most of those wins have been against the, the kind of chaff of the Premier League. This is a big test, isn't it?
1: It is a big test. We said the North London derby was a big test and uh, they came through it. It was probably their, their biggest test of the season. I know they, they lost at Old Trafford, but I think we all agreed they played pretty well in the defeat, probably up until the last half hour and things got away from them. After the substitutions, but um, yeah, fans are obviously getting quite uh, enthusiastic about their campaign so far this season. Uh, I do think title prices on Arsenal winning the the league are getting a little bit short and skinny. Um, so this will be an interesting test to see if they can, uh, you know, mix it with the very best on consecutive weeks. Um, a very long way to go, obviously, but um, I do think they command a bit of respect in the market and. Uh, I guess looking back at last week, they, they were the better team before the red card, but the game did remain in the balance at that point. And if you're going to be really pernickety about it, I think Emmett sort of talked about it on the Saturday show as well, but they did benefit from a Hugo Lloris error as well as that red card as well. But I did like their approach, uh, particularly targeting Emerson Royale down that flank as well. You'd expect them to do something similar here against Trent, who's probably been a bit scapegoated for his defensive abilities this season in the media, but even still, or in on social media at least. But yeah, I'm interested to see what we get from Liverpool here because they seem to switch systems in midweek against Rangers. Klopp was kind of adamant it was a 4-4-2. At times it looked like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-2-4. Uh, but I think most important, importantly from a Liverpool perspective is they did look a bit more solid. Only their third clean sheet in 11. The caveat being, obviously, it was Rangers at Anfield, so you would expect Liverpool to put in a strong showing. Um, so yeah, fascinating to see if he if he does sort of tweak things again for Sunday. Um, But uh, I don't expect Liverpool to be quite as as passive or or conservative as as Tottenham were at the Emirates. So in in that sense, I I think we could be in for a a really lively, entertaining game here. I'm hoping so anyway. Um, You know, we always expect Liverpool and Klopp to be forward thinking and attack minded. Uh, They need to be really because there's an 11 point difference between the two teams already and defeat is... you you could say, ends their title aspirations, but very early days for that at least. So, um, yeah, Arsenal are fizzing in forward areas, no doubt about it. Um, However, they have conceded in all of their games at the Emirates so far this season and Liverpool are very rarely blanked. So, you know, this fixture tends to produce goals, tends to produce entertainment and that's the way I'd be heading for this game um over two and a half goals is a little bit skinny as is both teams to score you could package the two up potentially but over two and three quarter goals on the exchange is trading at 1.8 which i think is fair enough actually um basically you get a half stakes win if there's exactly three goals and a full stakes if there's four or more goals um i was looking towards that but also looking towards a, a bit of a favorite of mine which i've mentioned previously on the show which is gabriel jesus to to score or assist which is even money uh that feels big um taking out Liverpool's game against Rangers in midweek where, as I said, there was improvement defensively. They have looked shaky, uh, to say the least, and individuals who you expect far more from have looked fragile and vulnerable. And I think Gabriel Jesus is absolutely thriving this season, desperate to win his place back in the Brazilian national team squad. Um, So even money for a player who scored or had involvement in eight goals already in the Premier League this season, five goals and three assists. But almost more impressively is his expected goals and expected assists combined figure, which is running at 09 90 minutes which is a huge tally really. I think that is wildly bettered. high isn't it <laughs> I think it's only bettered by a, a certain Erling Haaland so yeah even money on, on that it looks like a really nice play.
0: Yeah, Haaland, I think we're going to have to build a new data set for, aren't we? Just just to kind of just have <laughs> him do his own thing. We'll judge the rest of the players on something else and just have Haaland do his thing. Uh, master of the sustainable edge, trader and tipster Mark Stinchcombe is here. Uh, Stinch, Liverpool have looked fragile for much of the season. They've conceded a lot of similar goals down that right-hand side of their defence. I think he gets mischaracterised, doesn't it? as, oh, Trent can't defend, but actually... They ask him to take a lot of risks. Usually Henderson comes across and covers on that side anyway, and that allows him a a bit more freedom. So it's been overblown that really, hasn't it? The the fact that Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't the best defender. Well, we knew that anyway.
2: Yeah, it seems to be very much quite binary. He's either world class or he's awful, and there's no in between. Where in actual fact, as you say, the job he's asked to do relies on a lot of his teammates to help out. And I think we've seen people like you know, I'm kind of surprised maybe Van Dijk is not getting as much um, grief, um, probably yeah. because had a poor he's season. yeah he yeah exactly he's been I'd say he's arguably been poorer than Trent. I mean at least Trent is. Contributes going forward and is you know his attacking stats uh, are unbelievable. I think it's only second to De Bruyne uh, since the beginning of last season for for assists for from a right back. You know he's reinvented the position, so it's just I think probably because he's set standards so high. Um, as soon as as soon as there's any. Noticeable dip at all. It's the world that we live in. It's it's jumped upon, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I think I think um, Liverpool probably suffering from yeah Van Dijk's underperformance. Joel Mata has been out injured. I mean they had to play Nat Phillips in one of the games, despite the fact they've got all these centre backs available. Um, so that that doesn't help. And as you say, the midfield's been an issue as well. A lot of injuries there. Um, maybe readjusting to 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 no Sadio Mane. I think. Probably similar to, you know, Wijnaldum, for example, always available pretty much, Mane, you know, never injured. So, so somebody knows the system inside and out and somebody you can rely on every week. So, yeah, I don't think it's, I I think, yeah, maybe a slight dip in performance from, from Trent, but it's certainly not the, the horrendous, the horrendous performances that some are, some are labelling at him. I find this game fascinating in terms of the win draw win prices, because they're almost equal. And, you know, that's kind of unheard of, Liverpool not to be favourites in a in a football match except when playing Man City really. Um, but completely understandable, you know, you'd be you'd be you'd be very difficult to trust Liverpool in the in the current guys, you know, the amount of games that they're going behind in, starting slowing. Um and you know, and, and if anything, that probably plays into Arsenal hands with having a you know a counter attack. So I haven't really got a strong opinion. I quite like you know a goals a goals based bet. Um, I think the goal lines that Mark suggested uh, make make a lot of sense. But I thought maybe from a, a bet builder perspective, there are a couple of things that, that quite interest me. I think you could throw in Mark's uh, Jesus to score or assist at, at evens, given uh, Liverpool's fragility at the back. But also like the look of, and it's something we touched upon. I think the opening day of the season when Arsenal went to Crystal. To Palace if Ben White continues at right back you know he's not a natural right back for me he's up against Luis Diaz who's been drawing a lot of fouls and a lot of yellow cards from opposition and I imagine Ben White there's no price available at the moment but I imagine Ben White probably be around about four to one for a card so if you were to back White to be carded and Gabriel Jesus score assist you're looking around about you know nine to one so a double figure price so I think that's quite interesting and something quite exciting to cheer on at both ends of the pitch on Sunday evening. Well, trader and tipster Emmett O'Keefe is, across all the numbers that matter,
0: as always, Emmett. The market, as we say, has this more or less dead level. If we were putting together a bet builder and we had Marco Hares, Gabriel Jesus to score or assist, and we had Stinch's Ben White to be carded at maybe around 4-1, to one, what would you be tempted to throw in there? And just in general, how do you think the game's going to go?
3: Yeah, no, just stole my thunder there. I was, I think, I was, <laughs> was four. I think, yeah, four, four. I think in Diaz's six league starts this season, the, the right back, right right back, or right wing back, who's faced has been booked four times. He's like seventh in the Premier League in terms of players most fouls. So I think that angle makes a lot of sense. White actually is a three to one for, for 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 a card on the website, which is fair in terms of addition to the bet builder. Just to kind of. Could kind of expand on what, what the kind of point about what Mark was saying about uh Virgil van Dijk. I think this is given his struggle, this is a game they really could have done with um Kanate playing in like last season, the way Liverpool Klopp lined it up was in the games where they were playing lesser opposition. And it was more important to have Matip bring the ball out of defence and kind of starting attacks. He would play, but against the better opposition, Kanata usually played because of his ability to cover him behind. And he's he just he's a better athlete and and a kind of a better a more a stronger defender than Matip. Yeah, and just with with, that, with Virgil Van Dijk showing kind of signs of decline, especially physically, he could really done with Kanata to support him and kind of cover him in behind. I think that is I think and, and that's a huge loss for Liverpool. And I really think Liverpool's probably their best chance of winning this game is turning into a bit of a basketball game so I, I still think I think Arsenal are vulnerable in front of that back four and I, I, I still I think Diaz can, Diaz can get quite huge problems I still I wouldn't be so a fully sold in Arsenal's defence at all and I still think I think if, if Liverpool turn this into an end end game I could see it being kind of a 3-2 either way and some of the kind of the really high scoring classics that we've seen before in this fixture Um, I, I do like the card angle as well though I'm kind of I'm between Trent Alexander-Arnold and Simicax. So I think Martinelli and Saka will both have them. will we'll both have them under pressure. But I'll I, I'll, I'll I'll lean I'll lean towards Simakas. I think um, he's he obviously doesn't play as often. But I think to be honest, I think Simakas is like a he's barely a bottom half fullback. I think he's I, I think he's actually and it's kind of. It is one of the issues with Liverpool is that they're kind of in in the kind of the in some of their substitutes. It's a real low budget operation. Players like James Milner, Simacass, I don't, I don't w- w- wouldn't be prominent at other clubs with higher resources. Um, Devokarigi as well. I think I think Klopp has done incredibly well given that to kind of to kind of ha- have the performance he's had. And I, 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 I think Simacass would be a player that I to retarget at around seven to two for a card looks fair to me.
0: And uh, it's a new uh, feature we've got this week. Uh, a guest from the Premier League every week this week. It's Costa Simikas. Oh, oh, he's, he's gone. Oh, Costas has gone. That's a shame. I was quite looking forward to talking to him on that one. Never mind. Uh, worth bearing in mind, by the way, if you do go uh, for that treble, uh, that uh, you can get a £5 free bet by staking a £5 bet builder uh, on Arsenal versus Liverpool. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus C gamble org. Our producer, Jack, who's always on it with these things, uh, says it is 44. For that treble, so Jesus to score or assist, Ben White to be carded, and Costas Simikas to be carded. Forty-four. Is that is that right, gents? That seems enormous. Wowzer. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting nods all round, so it must be right. Um, it's what we call decision day. Uh, by the way, in the MLS over in the states, the final set games in the regular season. Stinch is very excited about this. What have you got for us? All kinds of craziness happens in this, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I'm feeling a bit of pressure now because I wasn't expecting to come so early to the to the MLS on. Uh, oh, I like to keep Pundit you on your toes.
0: <laughs> you see, I like to keep you on your
2: toes if I can. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm hoping other pundits might be excited as with me. I think basically MLS <laughs> is generally goals, goals, goals. Um, and, but because it's decision day, which I'll break down in a second, I think we could see. M- you know, there's no reason not to suggest that that isn't going to happen. Uh, decision day in MLS is basically the final league games of the season to to work out who's going to finish in top seven in each conference before you go into the uh, the silly playoff knockout system. So you do the 34 game league season basically just to decide just to decide who you play in the in the knockouts, which is you know so american um so yeah basically it's it's all to play for for a lot of teams that trying to sneak into this this final final top seven um before and to be fair, it's quite kind of silly, really, because if you finish if you don't finish in the top four, so if you finish fifth, sixth, or seventh, you have to play a one off game, one off away game before you can get any further. So given the the home supremacy in America, you're probably gonna get knocked out <laughs> for straight away anyway. So um yeah, it's it's Yay! silly. <laughs> it's it's silly, but that's you know that's how they do it. So yeah, there's a couple of games that really piqued my interest. Um, the first one was DC United at home to Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati six to five faves. I'm surprise they're not stronger faves dc uh bottom of the bottom of the league uh, nothing to play for whereas cincinnati um they need a win to guarantee the the playoff that to guarantee a playoff spot and they're very exciting they're the fifth top scorers in mls with 59 goals in 33 games um, but they also concede a ton uh, a load themselves whereas dc they got the second worst defense with 66 conceded so Given the fact that I thought Cincinnati would be odds on, to be fair. Um, so given the fact they're odds against, I I'm not even going to bat them to win. I'm just going to bat them to score over 1.5 goals at five to six. They've got really, really, really good front three in Brandon Vasquez, uh, Brenner. Brazilian uh, supported by uh, Luciano Acosta so Vasquez and Brenner have got 17 and 15 goals respectively and Acosta just in the hole behind them nine goals and 12 assists so lots and lots of uh, attributes there going forward I also really like Brenner to score any time he's nine to five he's got 15 goals in just 20 starts Um, he's not on penalties Acosta's on penalties so you could kind of be there stuck there where you kind of you know you want to back all three maybe but it's not really um, sustainable so maybe just stick with the over 1.5 Cincinnati goals Um, and then the other bet was Orlando v Columbus crew now Orlando played Wednesday night and fortunately me for me they lost so it means my bet's still valid (laughs) Um, because they that means they sit off uh, sit outside the playoffs by one point whereas Columbus are just inside so I'm envisaging this to be a proper basketball style match Um, so I'm looking at um, over two and a half goals and both teams score at four to five quite surprised we can make that work because generally this weekend over two and a half goals across most matches you're not getting anything bigger than like eight to fifteen um right so to get four to five thrown in both teams to score i'm not envisaging um many clean sheets along the way as kind of alluded to see so, yeah, i just think this is this i'm quite excited at being able to get this prize i would probably you know be looking probably more at the goal line to be set at three uh, with you know overs of four to five so I think I think there's a bit of an edge here uh, no surprise really um, MLS teams do see a lot of overs but just to, you know Give the full picture. Nine of Orlando's last 11 have seen over two and a half goals, and the 11 of 15 at home, so it doesn't change based on when they play at home. Columbus Crew: nine of the last 12 away games have seen over two and a half goals, and they've actually been shipping a lot of goals on the road as well. Eight of the last 12 uh, away games they've conceded two or more goals. A lot of those games have been have been, uh, have been uh, Desmond's two twos. So yeah, I just think it'd be a lot of fun on uh, on Sunday. Uh, each conference matches kick off at the same time, so there'll be none of the Uh, normally in MLS they have lots of different kickoff times because of the climate um, time zones etc but they're all kicking off at the same time so I don't think any team can afford to think that they're safe essentially so I just think we're gonna see goals 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 and those are the two of my favorite bets now, you can watch some of these shows on YouTube these days.
0: If anybody is watching on YouTube, you'll see that I got so excited about there being an MLS section, I actually threw my script across the room by accident. So there you go. Uh, now it's time for Mark My Words, where Mark O'Hare delivers a European nap for us. Sterling did the business for him last week in the Scottish Lower Leagues. Mark, we're going to France. You got very excited about Montpellier, Monaco uh, on the Saturday show. And people have been going, oh, there's going to be some good stuff in the Sunday show about this well here is your stage
1: (laughs) it's just about goals Um, tends to be with the way when uh, Montpellier are involved Uh, I've talked about them plenty of times before Um, and yeah I I like the look of over two and a half goals and both teams to score in this game just close to sort of 1.8 Olivier Delolio the the Montpellier coach is very much a forward thinker absolutely loves his team to play with the handbrake off very expansive very open very front foot and in fairness Montpellier do have the attacking weapons to cause opposition teams Trouble, regardless of who they are, Uh, Teji Savanier, uh, sort of a a playmaker with a bit of a hot-headed streak. uh, Wonderful to watch when he's He's on his. He's so
0: much fun, isn't he, (laughs) Teji Savanier? Because you never know what he's going to do.
1: Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I mean he's he's quality, but if he could keep his emotions in check a bit more, he'd probably be playing a bit higher up the up the ladder. But um, yeah, I mean he's he's the star of the show, really. But Ellie Wally, uh, a young lad uh, who's making a real good impression in forward areas. You've got Wabi Kazri there who made the move in the summer as well, just full of invention and creativity and flair. So this team are not short sure of players who can create opportunities, at least. And they might be mid-table, but only PSG have scored more goals after nine rounds of League 1 action. Uh, and actually, only three teams have conceded more goals for Montpellier as well, which kind of goes to show what they're all about. They've probably got one of the most disrupted and unsettled back lines in the league, uh, constantly chopping and changing injuries have played a part there as well. But, you know, in raw numbers, Montpellier have scored at least twice in six of nine. They've also conceded twice, at least in six of nine, uh, both teams scoring in seven of nine over two and a half goals in eight and even over four and a half goals in four of those nine matches as as well, and overall, their games are averaging four point four four goals per game, which is a huge total. <laughs> only uh, only four
0: point four four, rubbish.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and they're playing Monaco, who are uh, fresh from a, a impressive four one destruction of Nantes last weekend. Their fourth win on the spin propelled them up to fifth in the league uh, they do play on Thursday night against uh, Trabzonspor I think it is uh, at home though so there's little travel involved they've scored in every league game this season they've only recorded two clean sheets though six of nine have gone over two and a half goals um, and also just talked about Montpellier and their options in forward areas well Monaco aren't short of them either with Sam hat trick last weekend um, trying to stake a claim for the French World Cup squad you've got Kevin Volland who's fit again uh, Minamino who's not quite hit it off since he's move from Liverpool just yet but Breel and Bolo as well so they're not short of firepower and they've also conceded in all five meetings with current top half teams as well so it just looks like a great game to get involved from a goals perspective so combining over off goals and both teams to score would be my preference.
0: Yeah and Amberlo looked very good actually uh, at the weekend uh, in that win over Nantes. Let's take you back to the Premier League then Emmett you've picked out a battle between East London and West London. West Ham the odds on favourites here against Fulham at 1.8. Fulham got thrashed by Newcastle, but they had a man sent off early on, and they were missing Joao Palinha, who's very, very important to their midfield. But he should be back from suspension. So, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I, I kind of,
3: it's go, I, I, like most people. I've been quite, quite impressed by Fulham this season, but it's kind of, ju- it's just, just the injuries that were, we're kind of really would have been leaning towards West Ham. I think, firstly, I think Anthony Robinson and and are both there, so that kind of probably two, two, two of Fulham's better for full-back options aren't there. Shalabao will, will be suspended after his after his red card last week, but most importantly is that Alexander Mitrovic will be out. Um, it, it, it could have, and his replacement is probably going to be Carlos Finicius, and to be honest, that reminds me. A few years ago, Wilfred Zaha was the most important player in the Premier League in terms of his absence to a betting line. I think because the gap, because he was he was clearly Palace's best player, and the, the, the kind of the gulf between him and someone like Geoffrey Schlupp was so big. And I think, to me, this kind of situation with Fulham reminds Poor me of that situation. Jesse. I know what are like, was <laughs> catching; so a few guys are catching strays today. But the yeah. the you, you, you see them coming from. I think Vinicius kind yes, of is, exactly. a, is a decent European level striker. Mitchford is one of the best five or six strikers in the Premier League this year, and he's really, I think, has really carried Fulham. I just I, I just just without him, they have the Fulham and, and the other absences. Fulham has a bit of a look of a kind of a. Of a kind of a cha- kind of a championship level side, and I think, despite West Ham's stuttering form this year, like it still is a very talent, very talented West Ham side. Jarrod Bowen getting back in a bit of form. I think Lucas Paquetta is again a good player. In years past, we've gone to a better team than West Ham. I said this is a very strong West Ham side. Would probably finish between seventh and ninth this year. And just given the Fulham absences, I thought I think around one point eight looks fair to me in West Ham.
0: Now, I know we were going to talk to Costa Simicas before, but for whatever reason, he couldn't make the interview. But I'm delighted to say we've managed to get a replacement. It's Geoffrey Schlupp! Oh, we haven't got Geoffrey either. He, Oh, okay jeffrey Geoffrey's gone as well. OK, we'll we'll try and get that feature going uh, later in the show. Uh, this football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Manchester United destroyed 6-3 in the Manchester derby as Erling Haaland and Phil Foden both Bagged hat tricks. United go to an Everton side with the best defensive record in the league. Yes, the best defensive record in the league. Mark United two point zero four to take the win here. Got a bad recent record at Goodison Park, I think. I can't understand that price at all. I I know we beat up on poor old Frank Lampard on this show quite a lot, but to be fair, the recruitment they've done—whether that's anything to do with Lampard or not—got Tarkovsky. The Cody thing completely fell into their laps. I don't think they could believe their luck. And those two have made a real difference. Jordan Pickford's playing really well ahead of the World Cup. This is going to be quite tricky for United, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, I think so. Um, I'm going to give Flampard very faint praise, not not full praise. But in terms of results, obviously, they they performed well above expectations. They're level on points with Brentford and Liverpool. And as you say, they've got the best defence in the league. And I, I don't think that's completely by... By fluke, I think a lot of it is by design. They've certainly changed their process. Um, they did so towards the back end of last season when they were sort of grinding and battling against relegation. And you mentioned the signings that they made through the summer. Uh, Idrissi Gay as well and Anana yeah. who've made a difference and the reshaping of Iwobi as well. Um, I think that quintet, if you include sort of Pink- Pickford and uh, Cody and Tarkovsky, have made a huge difference to, to Everton. Uh, they are much more stable and solid defensively. But, you know, I can't sort of, carry on and sort of eulogise about Lampard's work without sort of, you know, picking up on the sort of elephant in the room, which is Everton are actually second bottom on expected points. They have lost the non-penalty expected goals battle in seven of their first eight games. Expected goals suggest they should have conceded 13. They've only conceded seven. So there's a big disparity in the data uh, compared to is the actual Is that amazing outcomes.
0: goalkeeping then from Pickford? Is thats is that what's been keeping that down, do we think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Pickford's been having a blinder this season. He's absolutely been probably their their best player. Um, and ultimately, you would expect things to sort of sort of somehow sort of meet in the middle somewhere. But uh, uh, saying that, I, I wouldn't be sort of um, leaping on Man United at that price this weekend. Um, I think there was slow signs of progress, particularly after the Brentford debacle. But uh, last weekend was just a firm reminder that we're still a long, long way away from Man United being competitive in, in the top four, at least. So, um, surprised that Casemiro was left on the bench again. Oh, um, did you know what? I was just about
0: to say that. What, why on earth would you not put Casemiro in the team for a derby like that? Scott McTominay, bless him. I mean, the, the difference is enormous between those two players.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's confusing, really. It's not like he's not had time now to bed in and, and understand the way of working for, for Ten Hag either. So, but I think, you know, everyone's sort of talked about their defensive inability at at the Etihad but in possession they were were hopeless they were aimless they are directionless and someone like Bruno Fernandes just running around like a spoilt little brat from the kindergarten playground it's just it's oh, just frustrating and I don't even support Man United. So, um, you know, they're a team clearly in transition. And as you say, I think, I'm not sure about their record at Goodison Park, but last year Everton were battling against relegation for the most part. They held Liverpool at Goodison. Sorry, this team, that they've, they've already held Liverpool at Goodison. They've lost narrowly to Chelsea last year against the big six. They won three, drew one and lost twice. Only lost once by multiple goals. Um so, you know, United away from home, they went through that fantastic run of results where I think they're unbeaten and set a league record for unbeaten away record, away games. But since the start of last season, they've won eight times away from home in the Premier League, which isn't good enough and isn't good enough to warrant the price to me, Because particularly with Everton, the way in which they're defending. But um, if I was getting involved in this game, I would actually just oppose goals. Because the goal line is set at two and a half, slightly favouring the overs, you can probably get, well, you can get under two and three quarters on side, a similar price to backing Everton plus a half goal star uh, and I think you're just getting a, a, a better range of results on your side. If United do scratch a win away from home, as they did at Southampton and Leicester, well, they weren't particularly impressive, but got the job done. Uh, you're still going to pay, be paid out if there's three goals or more. We only lose half of our stake, but uh, if there's zero, one, or two goals, you get paid out. Six of eight Everton games have been unders. And none of their eight games have featured over three and a half goals as well. So at worst, you might lose half of your stake. And uh, as I say, it just covers if United do manage to burgle a victory as they've done so far away from home in those previous matches.
0: Uh, I've put a line through Costa Simicas and Jeffrey Schlupp. I did have Bruno Fernandes uh, <laughs> next on my list, uh, but I don't think we'll even bother to make that call. Uh, Stinch, finally, we've got an Italian tip.
2: Yeah, I think it's no surprise really that it's going with a team that's, on fire at the moment in in napoli i think it's just absolutely fantastic watching them watching them play um i think most people were a bit concerned uh with the fact that they obviously lost Koulibaly, insignia mertens fabian Ruiz over the summer what was going to happen but they the recruitment seems to have been fantastic and the players seem to be slotting in straight away and that's, this is even without Victor Osserman as well, they still got him yeah. to come back so they could be even more powerful and uh, you only have to look at the their odds uh, in the outright winner, of the Champions League market to see people are taking notice of them doing things on 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 the European stage, you know they're they're shorter odds than the likes of uh, you know Dortmund now to to win the Champions League after being you know close to three-figure price in a, in a in what was deemed as you know a very difficult group with Liverpool, Ajax and Rangers. So it's fantastic what they're doing. They've played 11, scored 31, conceded just eight. You know and the results are just unbelievable. You know 4-1 v Liverpool, 6-1 v Ajax, two-one wins in both Milan and, and Lazio and and uh, particularly in the game against Milan, they add their backs to the walls at times. But showed they've got the you know the steel and the metal to to see them out. Um, say I'm not gonna you know um, say that I'm a, a complete expert. But you only have to look at their performances so far and their results to see that they're you know they are they are going to be in for a relegation battle this season. They've already been beaten by Inter, Roma, Fiorentina, Lazio, and and Torino. And they got the second worst goals for. They scored just six so far, and they got the second worst goals against in, in fifteen, and which is backed up with as they have the worst expected goals against in the division. They've already been uh, Napoli. Have already beaten newly promoted Monza four um, 0 And I thought Napoli. I'm surprised to see Napoli. Uh, I know people might not think it's that much of a backable prize, but I, I thought Napoli would be shorter than four, the four to nine that they're at. So in my mind is just going to be back in Napoli minus one in the Asian handicap around about one point seven five. So you get your money back if they win by just just a single goal. Um, you know they they played they played Tuesday night, so they've got some rest ahead of uh, Sunday. So I don't see that being a, being an issue. Uh, and then there's another bet that I liked in the game as well, which is um, I'm going to label him as the the Fulham reject in, in Andre Frank Zambo Anguissa. Oh, the new Steven Gerrard, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: what the hell? I mean, honestly, Fulham Fulham fans could look at him and go sorry what is this because yeah. he looks incredible at the moment doesn't he
2: yeah 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 really been really impressed with him i mean like just from looking from a visual perspective he looks really good then you look at the the data and the stats and it and it, and it backs it up um yeah we're only 11 games in so we'll have to see whether he can maintain it but i don't i don't see reason why he can't uh maybe just with a confidence thing or a maturity thing as well um, you know the bright lights of London. I would imagine that some players don't always have their, you know, focus fully on uh, on football. But for for Napoli, I'm looking at him to register an assist at a six to one, which is a very big price for a team that are just four to nine to win. He's got five assists already in, in just eleven games. Uh, Zielinski's also got five, and he's three to one for comparison. Now I'm not backing Anguissa for his, you know, for his playmaker number ten like, uh, performances. Um, he's only the eighth most creative player for Napoli in terms of key passes, but what has been impressive is his ability to win the ball back and win the ball back high up the pitch. He's making the third most tackles and the most interceptions. And, and for a team in Napoli that are pressing so high up the pitch, He's winning the ball back in dangerous areas, then it's just one pass to a teammate that's having a chance at goal. And Napoli are creating a lot of chances. So, yeah, for in a game where Napoli are odds on to score two, two or more goals, I think against a team that they will press high against, I think there's a great chance for, for Anguissa to be playing balls to the to the likes of Raspadori, Simeone, Lozano, uh, the Georgian lad. Sorry, I'm not going to, I can't pronounce Falascalia. his name. But yes, thank you, Kev. Um, I think it's going to, yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for him to be passing uh, the ball to these players in very dangerous areas.
0: Yeah, he has been sensational so far for Napoli this season. I must admit, I was one of the people who thought, "Ah, oh, it's going to be tough for them. They lost key players. Koulibaly gone, Insigne gone, Merton's gone. Nope. <laughs> and Mark has a point as well. No, I, I
1: just—I was just going to say quickly that um, uh, Stinch touched on the, the Ajax game as well, but I thought it was quite a was quite a mundane midweek of Champions League football. There wasn't a huge amount of shocks or or sort of wildness going on. But Napoli's results at Ajax, you know, 6-1 on the surface looks like a, a shellacking, but it absolutely was. They were absolutely dominant. Uh, they won the shot count 26-7 in Amsterdam and accumulated over three and a half expected goals as well. When you consider how they performed against Liverpool uh, at home in Naples as well. This is a team not just getting results, but just taking teams to the cleaners and doing it just relentlessly. It's been it's just, it's just monstrous teams. It's fantastic to watch. Stinch, you
0: were going to say something just then.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the opinion you held, Kevin. i say majority probably did hold that opinion. The fast, fantastic thing about betting is we're, you know, we're able to quickly change our minds and capitalise where, yeah. while the opportunity still exists. And I feel like this Napoli team still, still represent value um, on on a week to week basis at the moment. So we'll just keep getting involved while while we can. I think, for example, you have that kind of interim period where you. They're assessing things, so for example, Mark mentioned on the Saturday show wants to see how Deserby goes at Brighton. He's not, you know, he's not going to base any knee-jerk opinions on one ninety minutes at Anfield, but you know, you gather those opinions over three or four games, and. Whilst you might want to wait a bit longer, if the odds are there that are much higher than you expected, you've got, you've got to jump on board and take advantage. There's absolutely no issue with you know, going back on, on, on opinions that, that you thought were, were the complete opposite to what you're seeing with your eyes
0: yeah and a lot of the time we're looking for prices that we we know we've seen these players and you look at the prices and think that's not quite right I still think that's happening with Musialo in Germany still think it's definitely happening with Nkunku in Germany it's been happening for over a year with Nkunku I'm just like oh oh we still got 2.4 2.5 is he okay thank you very much so uh, yeah that's been going on for a long long time that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better please do remember to gamble responsibly loads of other shows including NFL Only Better ahead of the Green Bay Packers finally coming to London. Not that I could get a ticket, but there we go. Uh, And we have two racing shows as well, The Wade In Podcast and Racing Only Better for you lucky, lucky people. From Mark, from Emmett, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now.